Welcome to the Misophonia Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 8. My name is Adilma, and I have Misophonia. Today, I'm talking with Anna. Anna is quite open about her miso, and is an active advocate through her blog and over social media. She's got a lot to say, and this was a really fun conversation. We get into her coping mechanisms, which, apart from the usual things like headphones, includes strengthening her mental resilience by trying to change her thought process during triggers. Breathing exercises, meditation, journaling, just living healthier, all as ways to improve the response and recovery time of her triggers. She lives in the United States now, but we also talk about the state of misophonia in her home country of Russia, which let's just say is suboptimal. I want to also announce a new project I've started this week. Basically, after talking to so many people here and hearing from listeners, I realized that I'd love to support the livelihoods of other misophones. I want to know about other misophone-owned companies. I want to know artists and creators that are selling products. I even want to know just where every misophone works, because if I can, I'd love to spend money at these businesses. And I know many of you would too. So this idea actually started as a job board because I thought wouldn't it be great to find a place with other misophones if you're looking for a job, but I'm making it much broader. Any place we can financially support misophones, I want this to be the list. So you can check out the MisoList at misolist.com, M-I-S-O-L-I-S-T.com. And there's probably just a few listings there at the moment, but you can hit the add button to add your company. If you're unsure, just send it anyway and I review everything. I'll let you know if I have questions. Remember, even if you just want to post a company you're working at, go for it. I'll regularly be promoting listings from the MISO list here on this podcast and over social media. It's an experiment, but I think it's another great way to build a community beyond Facebook groups and lists of treatment resources. And this will always be completely free, so you have nothing to lose. Just a community to help grow. Now, back to what we're really here for. Let's begin my conversation with Anna. Anna, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. Yeah. So uh, I I met you, I you know briefly. I think probably at uh, one of the conventions a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, was that your first convention that you'd gone to? Yes. Yes. Cool. Um, on May. Uh, second that year, I discovered what that misophonia is actually a thing, and I spent the whole night. I think the next twenty-four hours were a research of all the podcasts, websites, blogs, and uh, you name it. And I read a lot, found a lot of a lot of information. I discovered that actually they have a convention, and the I think it wasn't yeah, it was in May, and convention was in October or November. I purchased the ticket right there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, we haven't really been in touch since then, but I, I, it's, it's, I clearly remember your, uh, the story that you gave at the convention of when you, how you found out you had misophonia and everyone was kind of still yeah. talking about it. Um, <laughs> do you want to maybe, do you want to maybe start with that? Sure. Sure. I, um, I had misophonia for all my life, but I didn't know that misophonia is actually a thing until May 2nd. I remember the date because it was the day after my mom's birthday. And I was picking up my girlfriend's daughter from school. I was watching her for, 
I don't know, four or five years at that moment, um, often um, became an auntie. And I was picking up her from school and driving her home. And usually I have a treat for her. And that day I forgot and gave her the treat right away. And um, before she got in the car. So as soon as she got in the car, she was excited. She thanked me for the treat. And then she started opening it and it was, I don't remember the gum or maybe a candy bar. I don't remember this time, but it's like five or 10 triggers at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it, you know, and we are in the car and I understand that it's triggering me. And this is where it strikes me the question, why am I triggered by her? I mean, I always... For at least 10 years, I was in psychology and I was, was under the impression that I have anger issues with people. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure it out what, uh, where it was coming from. And I could explain all the triggers, that, let's say, to my mom, I, w- I would say. Um, but to her, she's a child. She's innocent. She's done nothing wrong. She never hurt me or it never hurt my feelings. So why am I triggered exactly the same way? Mm-hmm. And why am I thinking it? So, you know, those negative thoughts are running through my mind. And then I'm stopping myself. Oh, hold on, Anna. What's going on? It's not the same pattern. It's not the same person. But your experiences are the same. And then I ask, I turn, I ask her, like, can we uh, maybe... Uh, uh, can she eat with the mouth closed? And she smiled. She looked into my eyes and loving in the most loving way say, of course, Anna, I will. I know you have a, uh, uh, like, I-, I will do that. Yeah. And then 30 seconds later, of course, she continues eating the way she, she eats. And then I'm turning on the music and then my question pop up. Maybe she's just too young. So I wanted to Google. <laughs> Yeah. At what age, at what age children are capable of eating with the mouth closed? And because I was driving, I pick up the iPhone and I ask Siri at what age children can eat with the mouth closed. We were at the red light. First thing that came up with this search um, was the YouTube video. So I clicked to play, I put the phone down and we continued driving. And that was the short version of the movie Quiet Place. I've, I still have a goosebumps right now remembering on, we driving, people talking, I'm not even watching the video, but I'm, I finally hear that someone else has it, that it's not me crazy. That's actually a thing that people leave, people struggle with that. And I think, and uh, I mean, two minutes into that video, I, I didn't even notice, but I, um, I started crying and I think I scared her a little bit because she, she asked me, Anna, why are you crying? <laughs> and I turned and I turned uh, to her. I said, "Honey, everything is okay. Everything is, is everything is okay. And now, well, of course, it's gonna be fine moving forward because, you know, it clicked. It's nothing wrong with me. It's nothing wrong with her. I don't have to do the research of what anger issues I have here. And we came home, and I think that was the only night when I didn't bother her playing with me or talking with me. I had her dinner and I let her watch the cartoons until her mom got back from work and I was just online researching videos blogs that's how I found 
so many sites and everything I could read about misophonia. And when I walked out, I think I was bowling all night. Yes, yeah. And when my girlfriend came back, I mean, on her face, she was like, what's wrong? I will tell you all tomorrow, but everything is good. I just got to go. I couldn't wait until I get home. And that night I didn't fall asleep. I was reading, watching. I think I purchased that movie quite please right mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. on Amazon. And I found, I st- because I'm originally from Russia, I wanted to share with my family what I found. And they don't speak English. So I started searching the YouTube with the Russian speakers to see if anyone speaks on misophonia subject. I found uh, very little information about that. And I sent that video to my family members. And yeah, that's how I find out about misophonia. Yeah, amazing. You, you, you're doing a search. While, um, you found it by, by, by Siri. And then uh, it's playing while you're driving. You can't touch, you know, you're driving. So you can't like fiddle mm-hmm. with your phone. It's just playing in the background. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's got to be a, just an amazing moment. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, yeah kind of a obviously a rush of emotions yeah i'm quite yeah. pleased had similar effect not while driving but i mean i couldn't i couldn't sit through it you know, in one sitting it was just too emotional i had to like take breaks mm-hmm. um yeah. so yeah totally understand great great film um and so yeah you referenced your your family a couple times um do you want to maybe talk about what what it was like growing up in russia and having a condition you didn't you don't know what it was uh, probably um obviously and uh how did you how did you deal with it maybe when did it start? Well, I think um, I don't know when it started. I don't have much memory, only like uh, certain moments, maybe before the age of seven. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember certain moments when I was six or five, but I do not remember my life, daily life. But I definitely remember that at age seven, because that's when I started school, the first grade. And at that moment, I was already, I had trigger and I knew that I had trigger uh, to my mom. My mother is an open mouth chewer and uh, uh, so at that time I already been triggered so it started before but at seven I knew. I remember that and then school uh, we had um, um, what is it like a cafeteria where all kids were eating lunch at the same time and um, that was uh, also memorable because I remember walking in and it's, I don't know, hundreds of students, kids, first first grade, second grade, third grade, all together uh, at the same time. So their forks, their spoons, their loud noises and all kind of different chores, screamers, all at the same time. And this is when I learned that if I eat fast, uh, I can be excused. Get the heck out of there, yeah. Right away, yeah, yeah. 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 And that was my tactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. classic. Because, yeah, and I mean, it's also um, probably not that misophonia was unknown, not that no one could explain or understand it. My whole family is, we don't talk about subjects that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. period period so it just it's just not an option to discuss and i understand my parents i understand it was a survival time everyone was busy with working and concerning with having enough food for the day and how to pay bills for this month and it was i it was never and i don't remember i don't even recall that 
you know, quiet, simple conversations, heart to heart. No, it was automatic, wake up in the morning, go to school, go to work, make it through the school, go back, make dinner, do the homework, go to bed. And it was constant tension. So it was never, in my family, it was never an option to feel comfortable to discuss something. So even if I would say no one knew about misophonia, I would say if the family structure and the family, the way we live would be different, maybe I would be bringing up the subject or talking about that, but it never was the thing. And when I grow up, I think as a teenager, as a teenager, when I start making the comments about my triggers, um, it was not welcome, let's say. And uh, my family members are not uh, not supportive. They do they do not understand it through the full or even half capacity of what that is. And so. I remember college years or high school, I was made fun of. Oh, that thing you can't stand when we meeting or... By your family. Yeah. 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 So even now, uh, we live across, I live across the ocean from them, but it's still uncomfortable subject. Even now, after I discovered the misophonia. And, and you show them kind of, obviously articles yeah. and yeah I, I i sent the videos and it was totally ignored no one responded and um at that time i could not handle that properly so i just let it be so we all cried about that and then now um i have a blog and they write about that and still we do not discuss this topic Wow. Yeah. To this day. I mean, yeah. So let's, yeah, maybe for now, uh, maybe we can revisit some of that stuff. Let's, yeah, let's fast forward to, um, you know, your, your advocacy, you have, you know, you, you have your blog. I'm curious. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you know, I think one of the most, uh, um, active people talking about misophonia openly, um, blog, social media. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that, uh, uh, the blogs, was it the blog that started? Was it, was it for this kind of cathartic purpose of, um, just, needing to express it and maybe helping some other folks? Yeah, you know, um, I, when I, when, when I, the night when I find out about Pisaphonia, I also find out about the closed groups on Facebook. And I was shocked to find out, I think the very first uh, Facebook closed group that I joined had like 18,000 members. And I found there was international uh, group in UK and there are a few others. So I joined them and I started reading what people post and it was very comforting and really, uh, really, I felt the relief in the first two days. But uh, the third day I realized that um, there's something missing. And I understand the whole purpose of these groups is for people to be heard so they can vent and not to be judged because only those who have misophonia can fully support and understand. But on another hand there was i didn't find much of encouragement on how to let's say not necessarily fix the problem but at least how to heal yourself so it feels a little bit better um i understand there's no cure for misophonia but there's so much we can do to live our lives fully to the best we can and make make it easier on us 
and on those who around us. And I didn't find it in the groups. So yeah. I had an I had an idea to share on how you can actually live the misophonia life, and it doesn't have to equal the miserable miserable life. And everything that I've been doing and studying and learning in the last ten years for the personal growth and my anger issues, as I thought, because I was self-diagnosing myself. Yeah. <laughs> everything applied and actually worked and helped with my misophonia journey. And I wanted to write about that, but I was too scared. English is my second language. I am not a blogger. I don't know how. I am not good at that. So all these fears were going through my head. But I have a very good friend who's um, a code life and business coach and an influencer, and she encouraged me. And uh, I've been thinking about it ever since May till the day I was on the plane for the misophonia convention and on the plane while I was sitting at the airport I had an idea on how I can write about my experience because airport airport is not the safest place for no, misophonia yeah. person oh, yes. oh, yeah. so that I um, and I wrote a short very short you know message and I took a picture of the airport and the quiet place that I found for myself um, around from uh, away from people and I posted and she encouraged me so she was the only one who was encouraging me to the point that I can actually overcome that fear and make a step and actually talk about that and it's been two years and I had ups and downs uh, misophonia and life related ups and downs and but my whole goal for this page was to freely express myself and um, now I do write in both languages, Russian and English, because not much information I found in, in the Russian community. And my whole idea is to show that even though we cannot fix it, even though we cannot, um, it's not curable, we can do so much to be happy and we can do so much and misophonia to me is not my i'm not cursed i am blessed because misophonia led me to work on myself harder to to be more compassionate to myself and to other people i discovered through misophonia that i was so harsh on myself and this is what i see with so many people who who live with misophonia and I do want to show and be example that it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, I love that angle, that, that co positive coaching. And I think you're absolutely right. A lot of those uh, closed groups are great for you know people who are new for you know the first couple of days, just realizing yeah. there is a community. But I think most people end up stepping back a little bit because uh, it can be kind of overwhelming and, and um, negative, but cathartic yeah. for those new people. And uh, this positive coaching, yeah, you're you're right. It's it's uh, kind of um. A miss, there isn't like a constant voice like like you and your content's great i mean i'm gonna have links in the show notes um uh I, yeah that's, that's great um do you want to maybe talk about i think it's now uh, gone into social media i follow you follow you on instagram which i'll also link to in the show notes um is that kind of like an, an extension are you trying to kind of show more of your life um you know, are, are, how, how does that fit into your uh, advocacy yes i um uh, I have a Instagram page and it's linked to the Facebook because some people prefer Facebook over Instagram. 
and the same content there. And I have a blog, um, misophonia.blog, where I post um, larger articles, I would say, when I have. I try to do it uh, weekly, but um, not consistent yet. My goal is to be consistent with my life experiences. I really want to show what I do on a daily life that helps me have at least triggers under control, my thinking under control to my best ability so that I, once I have a trigger and anxiety or panic attack or flight or fight effect, that it doesn't, it doesn't take me a week to recover from that anymore. I have so many tools and, um, uh, practice and exercises that I do that help me to minimize it. My, my goal is to be over with that within 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I see the trigger or I hear the trigger and uh, whatever happens, happens. And my goal is to get to the point where in 10 minutes I'm okay. And my goal is to have the trigger is like a flying Mm, I don't know, be near me. So, you know, it's annoying, but I can handle it. That would be my goal. And, and it sounds um, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Far from that, but I am so much closer than I was. Great. And it sounds like these are uh, kind of mental tools, right? As opposed to yeah. maybe just kind of, you know, throwing on headphones. Um, you're probably, it's kind of like a thought process, you know, trying to change oh, your thought absolutely. process. Do you want to you oh, talk absolutely. about some of that? Because, uh, you know, people usually talk about, you know, the headphones and whatever, but uh, it's, I think it's really important to think about the, the, the mental um, resilience. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I definitely, the, I've done a lot of work on, it's actually called the work, and this is um, based on uh, analyzing and tracking the thought process and how bizarre our thoughts can be and we don't even know that and uh, how it's negatively affect us it's not about being right or wrong i'm not saying that the trigger whoever does the trigger is wrong uh who's right and i'm thinking negatively i'm wrong no but how to take control of your thoughts is a technique it's a skill that anyone can improve anyone can learn how to do that it takes time and dedication but it's possible and um I also practice. I also noticed that I used to be a smoker. I smoked for many years in my life, cigarettes, and um, I was okay with, uh, you know, alcohol um, consumption occasionally. But I've noticed how much negatively it affects me because the next day, uh, even if it's just one or two glasses of wine, next day, two or sometimes three takes me to fully recover and get to the point where I am capable of handling any triggers and doing those exercises on my mind and have the results. So that's a big, big uh, part of my uh, message on my uh, media is the healthy lifestyle um, will definitely make a huge difference. It's not going to cure your misophonia, but it will help you become stronger mentally, emotionally and physically. That's what my focus on, and to bring an awareness on how much the difference it makes in misophonia when you are strong, when you can take your thoughts under control, your body under control, your emotions under control, 
and it's possible. We just never thought, thought we, we never thought that no one teaches us how to do that uh, at home or school. And it's hard. And sometimes people just, the hardest step is people don't believe that they can. They don't know how and they don't think that's possible for them. Oh, it's great that you can run and it helps you. But I'm not a runner. Well, I've never been a runner. I smoked for 30 years. <laughs> and <laughs> it takes me two years to make a two-mile uh, run without stopping. But, yeah, I, this is where I start my physical activities. Is when I, I started with my uh, mental exercises on how to track my and analyze the process of my thinking. And one of the things that is most important that I discovered, I cannot do it alone, unfortunately. For 10 years, it's great that I was reading the books, going to seminars, and um, you know, learning as much as I can from YouTube. But to actual practices, you cannot do it alone. You need someone to help you understand who is not emotionally attached to a certain trigger or the person who can help you understand that, you know, there's not only one way to think and there is a healthy way to think about any specific situation. Got it. So, uh, so you're doing mental exercise like outside of a trigger. It's kind of like a, a regular practice yeah. where you, you, yes. you take some time and you, you, you kind of really uh, think about yeah, yeah. overcoming I, this. Okay. Yeah, I do work on my emotions, and then I dig deeper uh, with uh, with the help of uh, um, you know the person like a friend I choose to. No, no, yeah. I actually um, I I will maybe send you the information about the work. It's um, uh, created by Byron Katie, and I found it. It was totally irrelevant. I found it way before the misophonia, and I was just uh, very emotional with a personal relationship with uh, not understanding of uh you know certain things and why i react uh, towards uh let's say my mom or my um my spouse or my former spouse you know and i was looking for um better way than therapy for some reason i was very resistant to therapy at that time and i found the work and it's amazing work it's only four questions but it helps you understand any thought process that goes through your mind maybe not right away but it does help you understand and break it out on a small basis and see why you think this way and what the purpose why what actually because there is always a reason why we continue to think the same way god okay yeah yeah the work there's always a pleasure yeah. yeah it's called the work by byron katie and it's amazing one thing that i can encourage you cannot do it alone but there's a helpline of those who and uh, who's learning to become a practitioner and they do it for free. So when I wasn't able to afford the session, I would call the helpline and I would have someone working with me for free. But then when I was able to afford, I have good recommendations of people who were uh, locally in Phoenix, Arizona and across the country and now in a different continent and they help me with that. So it's one of the tools, I'm not saying it's only one, but it's one of the tools that planted the seed on that um, actually there is something can be done with my thought process and that I can actually take charge of my thinking. 
Got it. Yeah, we'll definitely have uh, yeah, I'll definitely have a link to that in in the notes. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so maybe some of these other tools. Are there any uh, top of mind that that you wanna that you wanna share that you recommend? Um, well, uh, I also I started with the headphones when I find out about misophonia. Yeah, my goal classic. Was, my goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started with the headphones, and it it does serve the purpose. You know, when I was uh, working at uh, as a financial advisor for over 10 years in an open office environment it was it was a torture and the headphones were my um lifesavers because there are so many noises around and it just allowed the environment um in the office when it's open office and you have hundreds of people on the floor working together so headphones helped but my goal was to become stronger so that i don't have to you know I was practicing is educating others because people just don't know. People just don't know what triggers, even my close friends who know that I have a blog, they don't know what triggers. They only think that the gum and maybe the um, nails while they texting on the phone is two, uh, are the only two because that's what I've talked about, but there are so many more and they don't right. know about others. Yeah. So they um, talking about that helps and um, Walking outside and doing breathing exercises also a lifesaver. This is what I like. If my the work that I do on my thinking is outside of the trigger moments, that's what I do to prepare that when yep. the trigger moment happen, that I'm I'm prepared, I'm stronger, I understand, and I can guide myself on that moment to make it make less miserable. You know, but on, during the moment when I'm triggered, walking away and uh, doing the breathing exercise, that what helps um, a lot, a lot. I do uh, journaling a lot, especially on the moments when I'm triggered um, because it helps to release the information. I'm not joking when I'm home, I'm burning it. When I'm done <laughs> writing it, like on a piece of paper, everything that I'm thinking and just releasing it and burning it. If, if I'm in a safe place, if I'm at work, which I practiced a lot, I would take a break and I would walk out and I would take a piece of paper and a pen and I would write everything that I'm thinking. And, you know, it helps because just thinking about that and not sharing, uh, it's not healthy. And we are not safe to share because what we're thinking at the moment of the trigger, uh, it can scare us too because the thoughts can be very, very negative. There's so much rage, so yeah. much anger. And there's so much negativity that it's it, it sometimes scares me. Like, how can I think that, or how can I think about that person that you know? So uh, writing it down and you know, tearing it apart, throwing away, burn it, do whatever you want with that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to keep it. Helps. You don't have to. Uh, yeah. You don't have to keep the evidence. Um, yeah, yeah. The only the only ever time I went back to keep the evidence is when I was actually doing uh the exercise for myself with uh um i wanted to do the research on progress you know okay this is what i was thinking um during this trigger a month ago and then two weeks later when i have have this trigger i do another journaling exercise and i keep it and i've done it like every two weeks to see the difference and i was able to track some difference and ease 
Oh, and have you have you noticed a difference? And has that yeah. maintained yeah. itself, or has it yeah. kind of regressed? Or? No, I've noticed a lot, a big yeah. difference. It, it, it's, I mean, it's big to me because if I'm going from level ten to level eight in two months, for me, it's a big difference. Oh, that's huge! Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's huge difference. Congratulations! And, yeah, that is yeah. great. Um, and uh, and don't take me wrong that's uh it looks like uh that's work needs to be done to every single trigger because some others you know i mean just for one that trigger for maybe even one specific person but if i do that act, uh if i was able to track it and like i was able to see the difference yeah well, that, yeah, well, at least there's hope. It gives you some help. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, journaling is interesting. I, don't, I haven't heard, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I haven't heard Amazing. that come up much. Amazing. Uh, breathing has, breathing has, has come up recently in a couple of conversations. Is Amazing. there anything, um, is there anything um, particular, that, that special that you do, or is just kind of like just taking deep breaths and closing your eyes? Or um, Definitely uh, big, deep breaths. But uh, the, all the breathing exercises that I ever started with were from meditation. Um, uh, meditation is a big, big part of it. It, I was one, I'm still one of those who struggle with meditation because it's just, it seems like impossible task for me. Um, but I can see just like with the research of my own thoughts, I can see the difference. If I'm, was at the level 10 with meditation, not being able to sit still for five minutes, I may be nine now, but yes, it's a short progress for a long time but it's a progress i'm better now than i was a year ago two years ago and it it works magic and when i start learning about meditation because i knew nothing about meditation this is where i i started on youtube seriously just the youtube and free videos everything that i can grasp on and that's when i've learned that you know you can do the meditation with a specific breathing or you can breathe normally. And this is when I'm like, oh, look at this different breathing. So I, then I start searching for different breathing exercises. And I just found random, random exercises that um, I tried. I literally just randomly tried. It was very self-diagnosed, uh, uh, you know, misophonia is self-diagnosed and the treatments are self-diagnosed, but it didn't stop me because I need to find something that works for me. I want right. to find something and maybe something that works for me doesn't work for others. But, um, and I've all I've heard once I start looking for different rhythm exercises, I start talking to people who do that for other reasons, like, you know, because it's just good for you and, uh, good for your health, mental and physical health. And some of the exercises that people, encouraged me to try done nothing for me you know and didn't work but i remember how years ago i went to um anthony robinson's convention for my personal growth and it's totally irrelevant to misophonia but he had the breathing exercises with us with futuring of fourteen thousand people and i remember how amazing i thought after that so impact of breathing exercise is huge and this is when i put two and two together oh so when i feel better when i think better when i'm stronger i handle my misophonia better and yeah, this, you're... Is when it, oh, this is when it's clicked for me so i'm like okay yeah. i'm gonna do it all i'm gonna do it all i'm gonna do it every day 
this way my misophonia life will not be miserable and I can live a life to the fullest. Yeah, a lot of these things reduce stress, which, uh, you know, we all know is like a huge um, multiplier for misophonia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's great. How, how was it in being in a Tony Robbins seminar with 14,000 people? Oh, my God. You know, first, first of all, it was um, before... I actually have a post coming up on that. Okay. <laughs> yes, I uh, I wanted to share it for so long. I just you know, um, it was it was amazing. You know, because once you, once again, yes, it's loud. Yes, there can be. I, I'll be honest. Yes, I could change the seat a hundred times a day just because there may be a pen clicker yeah. next to me, gum chewer next to me and maybe speakers that are too close uh, that they use, you know, for any music and sounds. Yes, but my whole purpose was so much larger than the triggers around me. You know, my whole goal when I go to the seminars is find a comfortable place for myself and just focus and be present. As soon as I have a trigger, see if you can move. Uh, that was my tactic at that time, and I did move. Even though there were assigned seats, I could always stand in the hallway. I can maybe, you know, take a bathroom break and come back. And, you know, I mean, I do want to believe that you can only click your pen for so long. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all want to believe that, yeah. So, and I try, you know, find a way. So I, ju I just, you know, at that time when I was um, that very, uh, my whole uh tactic and strategy was to you know move when you have to and grab as much information as you can and it was an amazing experience yeah that's great um yeah. maybe uh yeah switching gears a little bit i'm curious uh you know you said you were you were interested in getting your content uh, content translated into into russian and how you know in russia nobody talks about any anything probably uh Mm -hmm. uh, this stuff, maybe nothing mental health related. Have you have you noticed? Uh, are you reaching people in, in Russia? Have you heard from anybody who's um, um, has has misophonia over there? No, not no one reached out yet. But mm -hmm. I have Russian followers, so and I'm assuming yeah. that um, you know it takes time. I just started writing. I would say maybe in March in both languages. So it's only been a few months um, and. I was hesitant to do that. I'm not saying Russian followers uh, mean, but when you discuss mental health and when your um, message is uh, you have to, you know, and I encourage my followers to take responsibility for themselves, for their life, for their emotions, for responses, for everything. That's why it's maybe not that popular if I would be posting something how bad people are triggering all of us, you know. So the message, I'm going against the masses. So I was hesitant at first because um, it's a sensitive top, topic, you know, and people don't feel comfortable to discuss it and don't, don't always accepting that, you know, yes, yes, it's my responsibility. I don't take myself seriously. I don't take my take care of body, my body or my emotions my exercises yes that's why i'm overreacting i was scared of i was afraid of this because you know i understand more than anyone how what it feels like when you have misophonia and no one supports you i understand but i also understand that 
no one's coming to save you. You're the one who can save yourself. Yeah. So, so you've developed that um, yeah, growing up. Yeah. How, you, you've had to do that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. So I don't have a followers who reached out to me in Russian yet, but I have uh, people who reached out to me and they had um, some coaching sessions with, um, I had clients in Australia, I had clients in the United States. And um, when I say clients, I, 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 I mean, people not necessarily who have misophonia. I had moms, there were two experiences when moms, one child was five years old and another child was 11. And at that age, they knew that the children have misophonia, but children cannot explain well yet. They don't even understand themselves their uh, misophonia experience, so they can't explain in the full capacity what that what it, it's like. Right. So I had moms reaching out because uh, and thank me because uh, they like my child cannot explain. I understand something that is wrong with noises, but I don't understand what noise, how, how, what it feels like, what, what to do, what not to do, uh, what helps, what doesn't. And me talking to her like adult to adult. I mean, I was happy that, you know, I could bring some sunlight to that problem so that she can address it and make the life of her child um, easier because at five, you can't develop, you can't demand from a child to exercise and practice the breathing exercise or, uh, you know, physical exercise or, you know, thinking process. No, it's a child, brain is not fully developed and body is not fully developed and it takes time but mom can take care of the environment until the child is grown enough to start you know doing something on her own so that was great yeah there's a lot of parents who are going to reach out desperately trying to figure out what's going on um you know you know you hear about all the uh, the usual illnesses that child mm-hmm. children can get and you try to protect them from them i'm sure this comes out of nowhere and just shocks parents <laughs> like yeah. what is this um yeah. how and how are you um how about like a you know your kind of inner circle like your friends and relationships how how's um you know how's misophonia kind of affected that your social life uh well i would say it's definitely affecting my life but i um i'm introvert so i like to um, you know, spend some time recharging uh, mm-hmm. away from people. I didn't know it has uh, it has nothing to do with misophonia. I think it's my um, personality, but I'm not. Um, I really enjoy the interaction with friends and um, others. So this misophonia forced me to discover to face. And to acknowledge the fact that I had, um, I had to work on my um, self-esteem because I was not, um, uh, I was not comfortable to discuss misophonia with people, and I was hiding. And uh, walking away was the only technique I used prior. And now I see that. I've put so much effort into figuring out why I wasn't comfortable and I practicing now to discuss it no matter what and stand up for myself and uh, not always um, put myself last and 
the tech, my technique is that I will do whatever I can on a daily basis to make sure that my responses are um, comfortable for both of us to, to the best ability I can. But while I'm working on that, I um, don't tolerate disrespectful um, disrespect from others. So no one chews the com- gum or food, eat food in my car anymore. That's it. I have a sticker in my, fo- on, in my car. Uh, and uh, it's my property. If you are riding with me in my car, um, I would respectfully ask you to respect me and my condition and not to chew or eat food in my car. Same thing with my house. When I, if, if you enter in my home, um, I would ask you to do your best to avoid the triggers, you know? These are some ground rules. Um, yeah. Do you, do, is this for uh, mainly for friends that know you, or is it like anyone that comes anyone. in? It's like anyone. Anyone. Is... Slowly, slowly, I'm going to anyone, and I understand that sometimes I have friends who are first time in my home, right? Never knew and don't even know. They know that there have some. I have a. There's a thing that maybe bothers me, right? But they have no clue what that is. And we, when the person is first time in the house, in my home. I um, I do my best to spend at least ten minutes saying, explaining things, and to make sure that they don't take it personally that this is how it is here. And I will not apply the same tactic if I'm in my girlfriend's house. So um, when I in my girlfriend's house, and her daughter is still a open mouth tour, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I do not force uh, her to stop, let's say, and I don't demand that. I'm in her house, that's her rules, and that's her choice on how they're gonna handle that. But I no longer sit there through the, um, my triggers. I allow myself to walk away, or oh, excuse me, if I cannot handle that. If I can, I will. So. Basically, I got to the point where I learned that I have to learn to put myself first, my uh, comfort as well, but be respectful to others and um, ask them to meet me halfway. Yeah, that's great that you're um, you know consciously looking looking for that balance of yeah. of how to do that. That's yeah, that's important. Um, so so you take like a few minutes to kind of explain to somebody who's coming into yeah. your house that yeah. Um, uh, and um, well, yeah. So I guess what maybe we yeah, what are the, what are some of the things you you say like uh, you, you do you, how do you basically well maybe just how do you how do you frame it do you frame it as like this is um, don't do this don't do that I doubt you do that but uh, is it or is it more um, you know I have problems processing certain sounds I guess people are just kind of always kind of curious how how should I kind of like what are mm-hmm. some talking points that I can use in, in a um, I. I like to use the analogy, and it helps me. I maybe not the best, um, maybe not the best, but it helps me. So when I first I ask people uh, if they've heard of misophonia, and I use the explanation as it's very sensitive reaction to certain sounds, and um, I use the analogy of allergy to peanut butter. 
So oh, everyone knows good, about yeah. everyone knows about peanut butter. Everyone knows about allergy, and people are usually respectful to that. So if uh, my girlfriend child has allergy to peanut butter, and she told me about that, um, I will do my best to never forget it, to never offer her that, and to acknowledge that and not make fun of it, uh, not bully her for that. Uh, but uh, use it as a respect and loving way to make sure that I will never put her in the position of being around peanut butter or secretly hide it into any of my recipes, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, it's not the same, but people understand it. Yeah, that's And uh, that helped me, yeah. Same thing, I would say, oh, like, let's say, you know, any disability. Uh, if um, if uh, if you have any kind of disability, you you would want me to make sure that um, I'm creating a comfortable environment around you just for the time we're together. So I use that as well. That's great. How about at work? Um, I, I don't. I, I don't. I'm, you're probably working from home now uh, under under this lockdown now. condition. Um, is this, is this, first of all is it is this uh, better or worse? Um, I don't know what your neighbor's situation is like, and um, how did, how was your work situation like when you uh, miss funny situation like at work when you were in an office? When I was in the office, um, I would say for. 10 years of me working in an open office environment, uh, it was very challenging, often miserable, often, very often. Um, but then when I discovered about misophonia and I started talking about that, I had pretty much people divided on three groups. One, supports, cool, no problem, we got it, not a big deal. Uh, we'll do whatever we can not to trigger you. Of course, this group will forget, but they will say, I'm sorry, when they remember. So after me, you found out what Miss Funny was, you told people yeah. at work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, did. yeah. I, did. I did. I did. It wasn't easy. I started with those who I was comfortable with, yeah, uh, of friends, course, and, yeah. uh, but then it spread out. Um, then was another group that um, just doesn't get it, just doesn't, cannot understand, and uncomfortable to discuss mm-hmm. details. So, and it's hard, it was hard to see that that group actually included my um, leadership. Mm. So, um, and the third group that I don't understand, <laughs> I really don't understand. <laughs> there's, a, there's a group of people that know what misophonia is, yeah. um, uh, would uh, look into my eyes and say, uh, like into my face, say, oh my God, I, I wish I can do something to help you, yet they trigger me. And they don't understand that that's actually a trigger. I gotcha, okay. Yeah. I was that's frustrating. By, yeah, yeah I, I was shocked by one, uh, one girl, and the most shocking for me was that her sister has misappointed. <laughs> and she, uh, she was the person who would um, bring the lunch can, lunch into in her glass container and would use the oh, yeah. uh, real spoon and obnoxiously um, enjoy her lunch mm-hmm. <laughs> every day. And, um, you know, I just couldn't understand. 
yeah but i was not brave enough to face that conversation uh, you know the second or third or fourth time so so has it gone better in uh, at all um you know despite well, having these three groups only one of them seems uh, a promising development yeah i would say the entire 2019 i focused on finding a different job i was willing to take mm. a risky step of leaving the comfort of of uh uh you know corporate america and working from home i really mm. wanted it uh it was a dream of mine i really wanted to do that and it was not easy because when you have experience 10 years of experience working in one field going somewhere else um it's not that easy i understand people who struggle i do but i was able to find a job and uh i started working from home and it was 100 percent remote and i did work for them for the whole three weeks before the quarantine happened oh gotcha okay okay so whole 2019 i was looking for a job i found a job in the beginning of 2020 i left my corporate america and secure job in yeah. office and i started working at this agency and i was the first one to let go during the quarantine oh that's too bad so yeah it's too bad but i would say it did give me the enough faith that it's possible because um i rather take a risk and keep looking but i am gonna stand for myself and i'm not gonna put myself into the environment where there is not help for me yeah that's a great so, attitude yeah it's a positive attitude i do believe that's why i encourage on my instagram i encourage the especially young people uh especially teenagers at that time nowadays we can whatever the skill you have you can convert it into profit do whatever you you can to find and develop those skills early enough so that you don't have to apply for the job just to get the paycheck and be surrounded by triggers because in reality you can have you can you can do so much to make your life and environment comfortable for yourself i i cannot agree more i'd actually do kind of I'm in tech, so I'm a coder, but I, I do talks every once in a while about uh, mm -hmm. having, you know, side projects, multiple side projects going on. They don't have to make a lot of money, but yeah. at least it's a cushion for you. You can code something, yeah. you can do uh, be a virtual assistant, whatever, but you yeah. can have a bunch of things on the side where you're not going into these interviews desperate to begging yeah. to have a job. Um, yeah, absolutely. And if, 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 you know, if poop hits the fan, you're not completely, um, you know, you know, yeah. lacking any lacking any income and you're a little bit more diversified it's just uh absolutely yeah. i mean ev everyone can learn uh for example even like to be a photographer yeah if and you you're, you're the kind of youtube you're... expert so you, you can learn youtube <laughs> and learn any new skill pretty much yes yeah. you can do that and that's what i uh during the lockdown in the last three months i took the online courses for photo editing and uh writing because i no longer want to use my excuse that english my second language and i'm not a good writer i do want to bring the message out and i use this time to improve my skills on um photo editing for my blog and instagram and for writing and i'm going to continue because this is something that i can work on i can i can improve and which can lead to side hustle full-time part-time 
it doesn't matter because I mean, just imagine if you know, if you don't know, like if you're a teenager right now, or it doesn't matter what age, if you don't know what to do, but you can learn, you can accept the fact that you can learn to take a picture. You can become a photographer because you can take a, you can build your own schedule and you don't have to sit in the office next to someone who does the pen clicking or eat with the mouth open or the loud breather. You on your own, you make your own schedule, you make your own, um, you create your own life. And yeah. photography is just an example. Yeah, it's just one example. And taking pictures is yeah. just one part of photography. It's not even... Uh, exactly. It's not even the whole thing, and whatever's valuable yeah. to you in your project, I guarantee other. You know, it's a skill that people will pay you to do for them. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's a, it's a great attitude. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, this is this is one of many positive notes we could we could end on. But um, uh, yeah, I want to give you another t- chance. If is there, you know, is there anything else you wanna you wanna tell folks um, who, yeah. Who, uh, Anybody, I mean, who's new to misophonia or is or is struggling with misophonia and had it for a year, as had it for years, um, you know, any, anything else you kind of want to want to talk about? Um, absolutely, I would say you cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. It's hard, and you always need someone who can hold your hand and maybe listen when you just need to talk, and maybe encourage when you are not sure because faith and support and that the feeling of belonging done miracles to me and that's why i really want to create the misophonia tribe of those who want to support each other and create learn that they are capable of creating their lives and it doesn't matter how old are you it doesn't matter where you live you can always improve your skills and you can always improve your life and sometimes all we need is someone to believe in us and sometimes all we need is to hear from others that it's possible because in my misophonia journey when i find out that it's a thing it was a relief but then i've heard there is no cure and there was this here. What do I do now? I'm scared. How am I gonna live? Is if it's if there is no pill for that that helps me, what am I gonna do? Will I ever get married? Will I ever have children? Will I ever have a job? Will I how am I gonna go to the restaurant? How am I gonna go to the movie theater? All this is running through my mind and all I had and all I wanted at that time is someone to hold my hand and say, It's gonna be okay. We'll figure it out. Amazing. Um, well, come in on the misophonia tribe. That's, that sounds like a great idea. And, uh, um, yeah, for any misophones out there, I mean, I would love to, the, the kind of last few minutes inspired me. I'd love to kind of like help, uh, coach misophones on how to acquire skills, at least, you know, skills I can teach people on, uh, that kind of help them do side projects, uh, just be independent and, uh, and stay at home. That's, I think that'd be great to start a, a little group that does that. Um, Absolutely. And I always ask my uh, followers, tell me what do you want to hear the most? Because um, I have like information of practices and exercises and things I've been doing for 10 years. And I often don't know where to start because, you know, um, we all we all have, you know, fears. We all have insecurities and 
sometimes unsure and i noticed that i'm not a professional blogger yet to know my to, to to know i just know what works for me and but i don't know sometimes if it's uh you know welcomed or if it's needed information so i always ask my um uh followers what do you want to know the most what can i help you with because there's so much i cannot put everything in 45 minutes and explain to you that everything that i do that helps me but you know if you have a certain um questions it's so much easier to create a tool and help you create a post and share the tool with you yeah you don't have to be a professional blogger uh, especially for a condition like this where there's no well, cure well i had this it's... file in my mind i had yeah. this file in my mind that i have to be perfect and professional uh, <laughs> well that's a good thing to aspire to but yeah but i think you think people are looking just for you know day-to-day -day, um being able to relate to somebody and get get day-to-day -day tips and i think what you're what you're creating is great uh, i'll have links in the in the show notes but do you want to just quickly mention the um the urls and the, the instagram accounts oh sure uh instagram is uh misophonia.blog uh facebook as well misophonia.blog and i to make it all easy my blog is www.misophonia.blog amazing well, thanks again, Anna. This has been, uh, yeah, very rich, uh, very amazing conversation. And uh, thank, thank you for you. everything you've done, uh, yeah, to help uh, to help the community. And I uh, hope to see you again at uh, one of these conventions when we can actually all meet up in person. Absolutely. I look forward to that, too. And thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I would love to help uh, anyhow I can because there is so much can be done by us uh, to help our community. Thanks again, Anna. Really interesting talking about the thought processes behind MISO and learning about the reaction in Russia. I hope things improve for MISOphones over there. Don't forget to check her links in the show notes. We're at Misophonia Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Misophonia Show on Twitter. Remember to check out the MISOList, MISOList.com, and submit your company. Music, as always, is by Moby. And until next week, wishing you peace and quiet.